Welcome to episode 346 of the Doctor Day, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, my hero is Noah Tinder. Hello. Today we're starting a new episode titled The Sunmakers. Our story opens with a very nervous looking uh, worker in a drab utilitarian uniform in a very desolate hallway. Um, and then a panel opens up at the top, and a woman's face appears, and she tells him that his father's termination was successful. So, kind of like informing him that he had passed and everything was fine, and he has to pay the death taxes now. So she says, oh no, you take those to the gatherer's office. So he goes on to the gatherer's office, which is a very large room, colorful, opulent. They have uh, very rich, colorful robes and headgear on, and he presents himself to the gatherer and Gather tells him not to put his t- his taxes on the desk because it's it's real wood. I bet you've never even seen a tree before. So I think I saw one once or something like that. So he pulls his father's records and sees what he signed up for. What was it? The golden package or the golden death? Something like that. So he reads off a list and the fees are thirty one credits more than what he's saved up his entire life for. And uh, he says, well, but I, I thought it was this. Well, well, no, it went up by this percentage in this memo. I said, well, I didn't know. Well, it was out there. You should have known. So ignorance of the tax law is not going to um, get you off on what you owe us. as well, you're a D, D4 worker or something. He says, well, I can see. I'll D talk grade. D grade. I'll, I'll I'll talk to your supervisor and see if he and approve for you to work more. It's like, well, I only have three hours away from my shifts to sleep. He says, well, you can work more without sleep, and then you can pay us. Um, so thank the company, is what he tells him. And so the man goes off to, to stop that it's taken him so long to even save the 87 or whatever that he, that he thought he needed. And now he needs another 31, and he, he knows he can't do it. Inside the TARDIS, K-9 and Leela are playing chess against the Doctor. And um, after a, another move by K-9, K-9 appears to be winning, which makes the Doctor unhappy. He's not a very uh, good loser, I don't think. Um... And then Leela interu- interrupts him because uh, the uh, console, center console has stopped moving. So, so he gets up quickly and goes to check and see where they might be. And he says, it's funny that they, it should be the planet Pluto, but there's atmosphere and there's other things that he would not expect to see on Pluto. So... The doctor materializes the TARDIS to check it out, and so they both leave the TARDIS, but um, they 
try to slip out and not let Kay and I know that they're going out for a walk. Or W-A-L-K. <laughs> like the computer can't spell. But K9 wants to go, no, you wait here, K9. And so they go outside and she says, oh, and it's a very industrial like building they've landed on top of. And um, he says, well, it's very much like Earth, but the air is more fragrant. I think she uses what she says. So they're scoping it out. Leva calls over the doctor and uh, looks down and they look around with the scope he has in his pocket and there's a huge city below and expanding out beneath them and they talk about how it must have taken years and thousands of years to build up. Lila tries to get the doctor's attention again because she sees a man stepping over the railing preparing to jump and it's our um, degrade uh, worker citizen Cordo and so they Lila runs over to stop him and the doctor joins her and tries to talk him down. She says, Would you like a jelly baby? And as he hands it to him, the doctor grabs his arm and pulls him back over the railing. In the gatherer's office, um, his assistant goes, Marin was her name and she comes to report a airspace violation and an unauthorized landing um, sector four or something like that. Um, so they go to investigate. Cordo tells the doctor and Leela his tale of woe of the death taxes higher than um, he expected and that um, the company charges compound interest on unpaid taxes and then they raise the taxes every year and Lula asks what taxes are, and he's like, is this, is this some a type of sacrifice you have to pay to appease your gods, or this or that? Like, and, um, she doesn't eat up, and the doctor says, oh no, much more painful. Um, the, uh, we hear sirens, and uh, Cordo knows that they are coming for him, they, they, they know where he is, and so he says, oh, you, we must hide, and he runs away. Lila runs off because he did, and the doctor follows her. They find a panel to, um, panel door to go inside the building and head downstairs. The gatherer and his assistant come up to the roof, and they're examining the TARDIS and trying to get in the TARDIS. The doctor says, they, he sees that, and the doctor says, too bad canine can't bark. So they, the three are headed downstairs from this building while the gatherer um, relates to his assistant all those tales of criminal um, financial exploits that uh, this criminal, he did this and he did that and what punishment they got in the um, crimes division and whoever it is who has this uh, airspace violation is they must be caught and they're probably doing who knows what with um, lumping charges after charges and they have no idea even who it is so um, Cordo 
uh, says that he's going off to join this uh, underground group of tax criminals, tax refugees who've not been able to or refused to pay their taxes and are hiding out underground. Um, the doctor and Layla say, well, we'll go with you. Um, he seems a little less confident, though, the farther down they go, because he seems to be afraid of the dark. And Layla doesn't understand this, like, well, what do you mean, no night? And the doctor, he says, yeah, he says, and the doctor fills in for her, I think that the, apparently the, their planet has six suns, so there is no night on the planet's surface. As they get farther down the stairs, stairways, they encounter a mean-looking group of people. Leela draws a knife, but Doctor cautions her to put it away. Canine, I'm not quite sure why, but we see the door open to the TARDIS and Canine um, is going to exit the TARDIS as uh, the gatherer watches on the screen in his office. They watch and track Canine move across the building. Doctor and the others are thrown down into the meeting room and The leader says something about them being captured and forced down. And, um, the doctor says, well, no, I, I, we allowed you to escort us down here. We didn't capture us. And then they have a disagreement about a planet. Something about the doctor says about the planet, and the, the guy says, Oh, that's impossible. There is no other. Oh, he says they're they're from another planet. They're travelers. Says, There's no life on other planets. And Doc says, Well, how do you know? What have you been? What planet have you been to? And the guy knocks the doctor to the ground. The uh, the doctor explains that worker um, citizen Cordo wants to to join them. Um, and so he goes to him and lifts him up because he's kind of cowering on the on the ground. Um, and he says, "I want you know to be back in the light." And the leader says, "Well, we make our own light here." Um, so Citizen Cordo retells his story about having to pay these death taxes. He says, "Well, it's always more than they say it's going to be. Don't you don't you know that?" Um, they say, "Well." You stay, you'll have to earn your keep. He says, Well, I can work. He says, No, no work. We don't work down here. We steal for what we need and we kill when's needed. There's a female in the group who is um, interested in Leela, and she either touches Leela herself or part of Leela's. Um, Outfit. He says something about this is real skin, and Leela pulls a knife on her. And says, "Don't touch me again, and I'll skin you." <laughs> or I'll cut. Yeah, I think I should say skin you. She has so many violent threats. It's kind of hard to keep them straight. She might have said, "Cut your heart out." That's her other favorite one, I think. Um, so because of her 
bravery, skill with the knife, not quite sure what, but um, their leader thinks that, oh yeah, the doctor and Luga, you guys might be useful to us. K-9 is uh, on his way down in the building, he gets onto the elevator and tells it how far down to go. The gatherer is still watching and tracking K-9. One of the women of the group has created a um, forgery of a card that is used to get money and, or credits um, from a machine that was not issued, but they've made it up so that it could be used um, on the surface in one of these machine alcoves to get funds and they want the doctor and citizen Cordo to go and do it probably as a initiation to see if they're worthy if they can make it in the group and the doctor's not keen on carrying this out and so they um, threaten him with uh, that they'll kill Leela if he doesn't do it or if he runs off with their money so the doctor and Cordo head up and uh, find K-9 on a landing, um, so K-9 doesn't make it all the way down the stairs, because um, the gatherer was watching anyway. So the gatherer sees that um, this K-9 device, and then the doctor on his screen, and then he sees the other degraded worker, and he recognizes Cordo from earlier with the taxes. He says in his imagination of different crimes and he, he says oh well I think what they're doing is they're smuggling arms and it's been known that these um, they start with, with the, the Ajax crew or something uh, some type of worker and so they they already think they're suspect and so they continue to to try to track them but she's lost signal of K-9 does she do to the assistant find some way to um, find out where they had gone so the doctor and Cordo make it to one of these machine alcoves and um, the doctor puts the card in the voodoo machine and as Cordo waits outside in the hallway the there is a panel door that closes on the doctor of, and so he's trapped in this booth and there's a green gas that starts to fill the chamber and the doctor is trying to not be overcome by this as he presses his face against the glass and looks out to Cordo and we end. Kind of hard to make sunmakers into anything ominous. Yeah. It? <laughs> it kind of is. So right off we, we get um, the info track saying it's a very a highly political story. And I'm thinking to myself, oh great. Because you know how, you probably know by now how much I do not like those. Same here. Um, so, of course, we have the 
uh, obligatory references to the um, to 1984 George Orwell's uh, and then the mention of Brave New World by Huxley they when the uh, Cordo is talking about these rebels that live underground you know kind of versus the um, ones who live up in the sun and they you kind of think of the two races in the time machine by H.G. Wells so Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I mean, they could kind of, maybe, thinking of the other two, you kind of think, you know, oh, it's just a very different races. One lives underground, maybe it will turn, maybe that'll continue into something that will be well, more locks and the Eloy. And the Eloy were based on the, um, I guess you could call it the bourgeois, mm-hmm. and the more locks on the proletariat, mm-hmm. the working class. Mm-hmm. So the, your point is ta- is well taken in that all three of those are class based, yes, uh, novels, and so is this episode. Yes, I have to say there was a little bit of humor when the doctor says something when they're talking about paying taxes, and he says, "Oh no, it's much more painful to pay taxes." Yeah, that was pretty funny. He had a couple of funny. We can relate. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> We had there. There were a couple of funny bits in this. Yeah. And when the doctor is saving uh, Cordo from the from killing himself, yeah, from jumping. You really can tell the strength of his personality, the doctor's. Yeah. In what he was doing to bring the guy back from the edge, literally. Yeah. Again, though he called an all sort a jelly baby and that's just sacrilege oh yeah I, I couldn't see what he had in his I just heard him it was say a, jelly looks baby like a black and white square yeah not the pink one like before but still it was an all sort yeah they have the squares mm-hmm. right, but they're not um, they are nothing like a jelly baby no <laughs> definitely not and the thing about that is that, um, let's see. Yeah, it, the, the doctor doesn't even, he just goes up to him. He doesn't ask him, hey, what's the matter? What are you doing? Don't, you know, he just, he just goes up and just starts talking to him. Just yep. jumps right in and starts talking and then um, offers him that and, and is a way to, to pull him back over the edge. And then talks to him and finds out what's happening. That was, it really is a, a, like you said, that's a good example Mm -hmm. of the force of his, of will, really, from the doctor and putting himself uh, in there. His smile and all of that, just just so infectious. Yeah, he says, good, don't, he's he's trying, he's chewing on one at a time, it's like, here, (laughs) see. Um, And like I said, the tax comment, and then, um. There's a, a bit where, when they're in the elevator going down to the inside the building, uh, to the secret entrance to this underground world that he knows of, um, Leela says to the doctor, why did, well, no, no, the doctor asks Leela, why did you run? Because he did? Yeah. 
So she says, what did you run? I don't know. <laughs> it was, I thought it was simple, but it was kind of a fun little exchange between them. Mm-hmm. I think you only had to stop her from killing or threatening somebody once. When, when they encounter the group, he tells her to put her knife away. Yeah. Um, mostly probably because they're outnumbered. Because <laughs> there are like three of the group, three or four of the group on the stairway, stairwell, when they encounter them. And there's just three of them. The woman in the group also touches her or something, and so Leela puts her in a headlock. Okay, and I holds the knife at her throat or something like that. I thought that she touched her. Yeah, but at any rate, so Leela, he had to stop Leela from killing her as well. Did he, or did she just well, let her sort of. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't sure which, she said, I'll skin you or I'll cut your heart out. Cause she, those Something are her, like that. Those are her normal, normal couple threats she yeah, makes. Her normal reactions. Just was thinking of something how the the gatherer saying how you know oh yeah this went up in this memo didn't you get that well it doesn't matter if you did get it it still went up and I'm thinking to myself you know okay they're supposed to be on Pluto it's like well you put the same logic on them it's like well retroactively didn't you know that Pluto's no longer a planet so you guys shouldn't exist anymore yeah doesn't matter if you didn't know that you just got. It could be that they changed the rules again and now Pluto's a planet again. <laughs> you don't know. And then pop, they're all back. Yeah. <laughs> um, did I mention when they... Oh, oh I think I did mention one thing. Oh, the uh, info track gave us some educational content. Um, they There's a reference to... Uh, when he talks about the six sons, and the uh, doctor says, oh, wouldn't Galileo love that? Or Copernicus, no, he says Copernicus. Galileo. He says Galileo. So then the info track carries on with them, a little story, a history of Galileo, and mentions Copernicus in, in the notes and such. So, if you're watching and watching those, you'll learn a little something. Well, and sort of the irony of all of that is... Pluto wasn't discovered until decades, if not centuries, after Galileo. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was centuries. Because I think Pluto is actually a fairly recent discovery. Mm -hmm. I want to say the 1930s, but I can't remember for sure. So, we haven't seen too much educational information. Yeah. You know, lately. That's true. That I can think of. For being a very political episode, as they touted it to start with, it wasn't really bad yet. Um, I think I said before that um, 1984 and Brave New World were not my favorites from reading lists in high school. Actually, <laughs> I loved 1984. I, I think I should read it again. I think you probably should. I think... 
you probably enjoy it now. Because reading it when I don't have to would probably be a little bit different. Well, and I think the politics of it, especially in our current climate of things, mm-hmm. I think it will have a bigger impact on you than it would have then. Yeah, I mean, I it's, can recognize its value. Yeah. I always could do that. It's not perfect, but it's. I, I really enjoyed it when I did finally read it. But it was just terrible that you know I really didn't like it the first time. I don't exactly remember why. And then, it, like it followed me from junior high school to high school. I had to read it again. I just did this three years, two years ago. But um, so that didn't help <laughs> my situation anyway. So I don't know what to do. And I've never read Brave New World. Of the two, I'd probably prefer 1984. I'd never actually read H.G. Wells. I just know the story. Mm. I've read a fair amount of H.G. Wells. I like him a lot, actually. Especially the time machine. Can't wait to add that to my notes mm-hmm. to read then. Yeah. I think I have it to for notes. Okay. Cool. Not that any of this has anything to do with Doctor no, Who. No, not really. <laughs> Just themes that they started mm-hmm. in this story. That's, yeah. that's where we're going. Um, but anyway, I, I didn't find it was t- too bad. Um, that was our version the... of filler. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we do not be held to those same rules, do we? Um... So I, I didn't find it too too terribly political yet. I mean, there's just death. enough to get you into the story. Yeah, really. And that's really all you need, and yeah. then you can you know go from there. I think it, there wasn't any hitting over the head with any any messages really, um, except in, I mean it was very strong in the the things it was saying. But in a satirical way, you mm-hmm. know. So it was a little exaggerated because of that. So, and that's it, that fits in that type of story. So yeah. I think it was fine. Um, but yeah, when I said that, you know, we can feel the pain as a, um, as Americans. I think we do. Depending on on who you are and what you do here, but um, I think more so for Britain because they had their taxes are much higher yeah. than than ours. At least, especially at this point in Doctor Who, mm. we're only seventy seven or seventy eight. Yeah, yeah seventy seven. End of 77. Okay. Um, there's a couple things about the, uh, the production, I guess. Um, they'd mentioned a bit in the last one where well, Lou had a newer outfit, and then at the end of um, our last episode, she was back in the old one, and Doc made some comment. And she says, what is my old outfit? And um, 
she I think they did that because the Sunmakers was going to be next but they had already made the Sunmakers before they gave her the new outfit in the last episode um, image of the Vendal so they had her I guess put it on for the last time in the previous episode but it's kind of fitting for time travel stories really because I guess <laughs> they made it so that she it looks like it follows the other but it was really made before so she had to have the costume on one last time to fit that in I guess which I just think it is more fitting for who she is who she was the old one and the like little chamois mini dress is not really very warrior like yeah. to me and it, um, it it didn't look like it fit very well Mm-mm. I don't think they wanted it to I was going to say that may have been intentional yeah which it is what it is yeah I don't think it has a place in Doctor Who. So I don't think they need to go for any extra um, sensuality. Yeah. She has enough as the warrior princess, um, warrior woman, you know, image anyway. And her original costume was, you know, just the halter top and the thong type, um, the loincloth type skirt thing was revealing enough that you put in a little dress that looked like a nightgown um, was just a little strange to me. So, like I said, this one was revealing enough that they didn't have to uh, make it any more revealing or make it any, uh, make her look more feminine, I think is the, the wrong direction for her. I'm okay with the more feminine part, but I just don't think she should be I don't know it seems wrong to sexualize her yeah I just I think one thing I like about her as the companion um, is that she's kind of just a force on her own that's just how she is mm-hmm so it's like you're trying to tame the, this natural force that is her personality, is who she is, into something that she isn't, into something more of a, a companion you'd expect from maybe Joe or Sarah Jane. Be more fashionable or mm-hmm. be, you know, more reasonable or... She's not reasonable. She's a warrior. She can be. And she can learn. But she's still a bold person. Mm-hmm. And it just seems wrong to overlay so many trappings of um, what they think that they would like her to be. Do you have anything else? No, not really. Not a bad first episode. 
No, I I rather like it. Which surprised me, given the political start of it. Mm-hmm. I was sure I wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. And the last time they showed the the big cartridge thing that they have for this um, uh, card for the credits that they're going to yeah. steal. That was a little it, ridiculous. It it looked like a huge ATM card made out of an 8-track tape. Possibly. Or a small cake version yes, or of a credit card. Or small, yes. Like a small cake wreck version of an ATM card. Yep. <laughs> and then he puts it on the machine, like the panel of the machine. It's so funny. Because I don't know. It made me think, when was the first ATM machine? ATM. Oh, I don't know. I realize that's redundant, but that's that's yeah. what we call them. I know. ATM machine machine. <laughs> Automatic teller machine machine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of funny. This huge old honking thing. It's like the really old mobile phones that had like a whole big case on their own and it was like bigger than your head, you know, but it was still a mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Should we talk about our, our ending and our cliffhanger? Sure. Since that's what they's used, what he's using at the time is the, um, the big forged card. Yeah. And then the door booth closes um, fills with green gas it wasn't green was it green I thought it was green yeah, it was just white oh it may have been tinged green. green because of the panel maybe the panel was so greenish. that maybe that was confusing you but no it was just gray from the outside it looked, white. it looked greenish so I thought that was maybe that was why but the doctor is trapped in there now We don't think that it's going to kill a doctor. I don't find that no. a danger. I, I guess it's just, you know, will they, will the doctor probably most likely be passed out from this, from this gas and then be collected by the police, taken to the gatherer's office, I'm guessing. Yeah. Probably something like that. Since Cordo is outside... Maybe he'll be able to, to run away and run back and tell them that, no, he didn't go take off with the money. They've taken him to the gatherer so they don't kill Leela. Since I've already said that she filmed this before the next one, we know that they don't yeah. <laughs> kill Leela in this, in this story. What do you think about it? The cliffhanger? Yeah. It's fine. It is what it is. It's not very exciting. It's not a surprise either. No, you kind of, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if I guessed correctly at how it may resolve itself. Right. The doctor's going to be taken to the gatherer's office somehow. 
or at least to the police. Yep. On trumped up charges, I'm sure. Armed smuggling. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Grand larceny or tax money or something, you know. I think it's interesting. I didn't mention before, uh, made me remember this, that the gatherer seems to, you know, he it adds on this tax and this percentage of tax and this, you know, he compounds the, the tax and the fees that are due just like he compounds the ideas of all these you know what these people could be up to and what crimes they've committed and he has no idea of what they've actually done you know so he's, he kind of does that with everything he he seems to be involved in because not only are they just are they uh, not paying their taxes they're smuggling arms you know <laughs> whatever his, his his imagination races to mm. seems to Crimes compound one another into something even bigger, and so do his taxes. So. Could be the end of Doctor Who if he's thrown in debtor's prison, maybe. <laughs> debtor's prison on Pluto. Yeah. I doubt it. Anything else? No, that's all I got. Alright. Join us tomorrow when we talk about episode two of The Sunmakers. I tried. Nice try, Phil. <laughs> Can't make it ominous. <laughs> so join us then and thank you for listening.